Girls and welcome to the first ever episode of Life, Coffee and Frantic Hair Dye. In this episode we're going to be talking about SAD syndrome which is seasonal affective disorder but before we get stuck into that let's have a wee chat about what we're going to be doing with this podcast. So what we spoke about in the promo was that we're not going to focus on the same subject every week. We're just going to bounce around in things that relate to life, relate to you as a listener, as a person, and me as a person. I also have ADHD, so (laughs) trying to focus on one thing for a long time isn't going to work. (laughs) So instead, we're going to flit around from one thing to another. If that's your jam, then please stick around. If you're not too sure, have a listen. Let me know what you think. If there's something that you would particularly like me to cover, let me know. So we have a bit of a sad topic today. (laughs) Shouldn't laugh. And that is SAD syndrome, which is seasonal affective disorder. Um, And that essentially means that when the weather changes and the sun is going down earlier and the nights are getting darker and more drawn out, we just become sad. We don't really want to do anything. We're stuck in the house, especially if you're here in Scotland. Like it's it's miserable. As soon as like October first hits, that's it. The weather is it is on a downward spiral, as is your mental health. <laughs> but all that to say that we're mood and you know, like sad syndrome and you know, like a seasonal affective disorder can cause us to do some weird things. It can cause us to do some things that maybe I mean, dyeing my hair is not out of character. It's very, very much within character. (laughs) But it can cause us just to act a bit irrationally and maybe a little bit spontaneously um, when we wouldn't normally do that. Given the fact that I have ADHD, I do absolutely do things on a whim and then immediately regret that I've done them. Um, But (laughs) it's fine it's fine I've learned in my 34 years on this earth I've just learned to deal with it and I've only found out about ADHD in the past like year and a half so um so yeah now I just have a reason as to why my brain does these ridiculous things (laughs) like starting a podcast and this is where the frantic hair dye part comes in because I think I've had maybe five hair colors in the past like six weeks (laughs) and it's literally just because a there's nothing else to do and B, it gives you a bit of dopamine, doesn't it? It gives you like a wee rush of like, oh, oh, look at this, this is fancy. And then a few days later, you're like, oh my God, what have I done? Not even days, sometimes it is literally hours. Sometimes it's minutes. <laughs> sometimes it is minutes. I've put the first bit on and immediately thought, what have I done? So yeah, I do not recommend poor mental health slash hair dyeing. It's not it's not a good place to be, pals. Um, however, I have got better at it and I'm now getting a bit more adventurous and I'm doing different things and I think it's starting to look all right. It's starting to, like, I'm getting there. I've also started cutting it myself. <gasps> I know. I have been Brad Mondoing my hair and I must say I'm actually quite pleased with it right now. I've done the, um, the wolf cut, you know, like the shag. I don't like saying that because... Um, yeah, it just doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> um, I've been doing the shag. Um, and that's actually been going quite well. I did give myself 
a mini fringe. I'm not going to call it a micro fringe because it's definitely not micro, but I did give myself a mini fringe the other day. And sometimes it's nice. And then sometimes I catch myself in a reflection and I look like Frankenstein. So <laughs> I don't know if it's going to stay. So as far as sad syndrome goes, we're really looking at the kind of autumn, winter or fall, winter American pills um, when it is getting a wee bit darker and we're getting into that seasonal depression, which can look like oversleeping, whether that is going to bed really, really early or going to bed really late and then waking up really early because you feel like you need to try and get a little bit of the day back. Um, it can also look like overeating because there's not really much we want to do and it gives us that little dopamine hit. And on top of that, we're looking at just general tiredness and general low energy. We don't really want to do much. We just want to stay at home, get a blanket, get some candles on. And you know what? That is lovely sometimes. Sometimes all we need is Dragula on telly. You want your blanket, you want your candles on. And especially when you're getting towards Halloween and you've got your, your little pumpkins out and all this kind of stuff. I'm a spooky bitch, just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a theme ongoing um but yeah when you've got all that stuff out it is lovely and it's nice it's not nice when that goes on for months though because then that starts to turn into like a really low place instead of doing things that are kind of getting you going or you know being productive or anything like that we end up just kind of becoming one with the sofa and that's not a great place to be now, we're not going to be anywhere about this like toxic productivity nonsense. We're not going to be like forcing people into, let's do all the things, because that's not how life works. Sometimes you need to take a big step back and do none of the things. We do also have responsibilities, don't we? So we need to do at least some of the things some of the time. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, is sad syndrome, what it is and how we can prevent it from having too much of an effect on our lives. Hopefully. <laughs> so let's think about it. If we strip everything back, we are animals. And I don't mean that in like a Scottish mother at home giving it, you're an animal. <laughs> I mean that as we are basically mammals. We are affected by the weather, we're affected by the seasons, by the moon, by the sun, by all these different things. So just like animals, we have our circadian rhythm and that is basically our sleep and wake pattern over the course of 24 hours. So that basically helps to control your daily sleep and your wakefulness and pretty much every living thing has one. It's affected by the light and dark, as well as like other factors. So your brain receives signals based on your environment and activates certain hormones, which then alters your body temperature and regulates your metabolism to keep you alert or draw you into sleep. And there can be times where that circadian rhythm is disrupted by something outside of your body or the rhythm itself. And that can be external factors or sleep disorders. So really maintaining healthy habits and I know I hate saying it because everyone says it to me and I'm like, bug it off. But that said, continuing with a healthy routine and some healthy habits, it can maintain 
that natural rhythm of your body and the way that it naturally wants to rise with the sun and, and go to sleep with, you know, the kind of end of the day. All right, so now we know how the circadian rhythm kind of works. What are the things that can totally set it off a kilter? So we're looking at um, night shifts. Anything that goes against the natural kind of daytime, nighttime. Um, travel that spans across one or more time zones. So that's really weird looking at your jet lag. Um, a lifestyle that encourages really late nights or early wake times. So I'm looking at you, party animals. Um, we're looking at medications, stress, mental health conditions, health conditions, um, and poor sleep habits. Now, we spoke about briefly just about jet lag there. And when you travel across several time zones quickly, your body doesn't get time to align with that, that new time zone that you're in. And your circadian rhythm is tuned in to the place that you were, and now it has to readjust. So you might experience other changes to impact your well-being until that circadian rhythm really normalises again. And that can take anywhere from a day to a week for you to acclimatise to your new zone. It typically takes about a day for each hour that you shift um, into a new time zone. So if you've shifted 12 hours, you're looking at like 12 days to really kind of get yourself back into normality. And you might even experience some mild symptoms of jet lag when the clocks go backwards and forwards. And that brings us back to the SAD syndrome. Do you see what I did there? That was a big circle. <laughs> so... Um, because we've got that mild jet lag feeling, it can really throw us out when we're thinking about going to sleep and waking up. So with that in mind, how can we reset our circadian rhythm? How can we click the reset button on it and get back to normal? So the best thing to do, and I hate myself for saying this because people say it to me and I get very upset about it, adhere to a routine that suits you every day. And it's got to be the same every day. So we're looking at getting up at the same time or roughly the same time, going to bed about the same time, try and have your meal times around the same time. Now, there are many, many reasons why that might not be achievable for everyone. And it's important that we remember that that might not be achievable for everyone as well. So I use my calendar and my phone quite a lot. And one of the things that I've got going at the moment is splitting my day into four chunks. Now, this is something that I've learned from um, from coaching. I've, I'm currently in a coaching group with Meg from the Daily Pet Podcast and someone in there suggested it, which is a fantastic idea and it's blocking your day into four blocks. So block one is your morning, block two is like mid-morning to lunchtime, block three is lunchtime to dinner time, and block four is dinner time onwards. Now, if one of those blocks gets messed up somehow, so say you sleep in, that's fine. It's just that one block. It's not the entire day. That's okay. Move on. So look at a way to encourage a routine within your life. Now, I'm going to say something else and I'm going to hate myself even more, <laughs> but spend time outdoors. Okay, by that, I do not mean... Have you just tried going for a walk, though? I mean... If you're really that depressed, just get outside. That's absolutely not what I mean. Because when people say that to me, a level of rage <laughs> that I don't normally, I don't normally inhabit. 
just suddenly comes over me and I feel like um if you've ever seen a uh, dragon heart the the film that has Sean Connery is the um why is that why is that a only think of a Scottish reference <laughs> what <laughs> wow um it has Sean Connery as the voice of a dragon and when he gets angry he gets really really angry that's me when someone says, oh, are you feeling depressed? Do you know what you should do? You should go walk. Okay, I have two dogs. I, I walk every day, all right? And um, do you know what hasn't changed? <laughs> A, the fact that I walk, and B, the depression. <laughs> so, so yes, I do not mean um, go out for a walk. And again, I'm going to say it and I'm going to hate it daily exercise. Getting about 20 minutes of aerobic exercise is generally recommended per day. Now, once again, I am absolutely not saying, but if you just try and go into the gym, <laughs> because again, how many people have said that to us when we have felt like you couldn't scrape us off the floor? People are suggesting you should go for a walk or go to the gym. And you're thinking to yourself, I've not been for a shower in two weeks, so no. <laughs> Get yourself out, even if just for a nice walk for 20 minutes and see if it's bucket in the rain, that's fine. Get yourself on YouTube. There are videos for um, doing your, your daily amount of steps. So say you set yourself a goal of like 9,000 steps, but for whatever reason you can't achieve that, get on YouTube, go on to, um, I think you just need to type in daily step videos and you can literally get... Um, like the daily amount of steps that you need. So you can watch a video that will give you 5,000 steps. And generally it's dancing, which is quite fun. You can choose a theme. So it's like 90s or I think the one I was doing before was 80s and then there was disco. Um, I think there's like R&B ones and stuff like that as well. So there's something that is going to be fun for everyone, basically. And sleeping in an environment that promotes rest. So somewhere that's not chaotic, somewhere that's not really bright, it's a com comfortable temperature and you have a nice supportive mattress. Now, again, these are all things that not everyone might have. If we are able to have these things, excellent. If you're finding that perhaps the lighting is an issue, so you've got a street light outside, blackout curtains. Get yourself in blackout curtains. If curtains are proven a wee bit expensive, you can get really, really cheap um, blackout blinds. They're not amazing, they're not gorgeous, but they do the job. Now, one of the other things that, again, I find very difficult is avoiding alcohol, caffeine and nicotine at nights. At nights? In the evening. <laughs> I think I probably have, like, three teas and two coffees during the day. Which doesn't really seem like a lot, but when you add up all that caffeine and a brain that's already going quite fast, it's quite difficult to turn off at night. Set yourself a goal of roughly 3pm and no caffeine after that time. And it can be difficult, but your body will eventually get used to it. Also, powering down screens. Now, this is something that I feel like is a bit up for debate because some people find a screen way too stimulating at night. And it really overstimulates their brain, which then means that they can't sleep. I find that if I'm playing like a silly card game or one of the many, many, many versions of Candy Crush that there are out there, if I'm doing that, I fall asleep quite quickly. If I'm reading a book, we're, we're done. We're done, babe. <laughs> 
I'm so far into that book that I don't want to put it down. And all of a sudden it's two in the morning and I'm like 17 chapters in. But yeah, it can be one of those things where a screen isn't, I don't think it's always the worst thing in the world. I think it really depends on how your brain works. And the the one that really kind of gets people a lot of the time, naps. No napping in the afternoon and no napping in the evening because that is just going to screw up your circadian rhythm entirely because it thinks that, oh, we're going to bed and then we're jumping back up at 8 p.m. When really we should be getting set, like set to wind down for the day. So have a think about the things that can really help promote that nice, healthy 24-hour schedule. So routine, spend time outdoors, daily exercise, a nice sleep environment, avoiding alcohol, caffeine, nicotine, powering down your screens. I'm going to say that's optional. And napping is a no-no. Now, there might be some people out there being like, Natalie, this is all very well and good, but um, I have insomnia. And unfortunately, sometimes there are things that are very difficult to, to counteract. And insomnia or depression and stress are some of those things. Now, some of the things that we can try that might be able to help is a little bit of light therapy. Now, light therapy is basically getting yourself a sad lamp. We're looking at like a light box or a light a lamp, sorry, and that is going to give off the same effect as a bit of sunlight. Now, I've actually got one in front of me right now. It is not a sad lamp. It is a, <laughs> it is a plant grow lamp, um, which basically you would put in front of a plant that doesn't get a lot of sun. And it would encourage it to um, to grow. But it essentially mimics natural sunlight. And that's what we're trying to get when it's really dull and really just not feeling nice. That's what we're looking for is that natural sunlight. Now, a sad lamp can be about £80. I don't know what that is in dollars right now, friends, because the pound is, is on its arse. Anyway, uh plant grow light can be as cheap as I think this one I've got was £16. If you want to give it a try, give it a try with something a wee bit cheaper first instead of jumping straight in for an 80 or £90 lamp. Now that said, sad lamps are not for everyone. There can be medical conditions that make your eyes quite sensitive to light and there can be different medications that increase your light sensitivity. So having this kind of uh, light on isn't going to be ideal. Also, if you've got any history of skin cancer, then please get in touch with your doctor before you start thinking about getting yourself a sad lamp. So what's the takeaway here about sad lamps? So essentially it can be used for um, depression that's linked to seasonal patterns. So basically the sad syndrome. It can potentially help with sleep disorders and It can help with other types of depression. However, I would always contact your doctor first before relying on a lamp. It is effective um, and it does have a positive effect on your circadian rhythm if you're using it at the right time of day and it can help with the serotonin levels within your brain. There may be some side effects, but most of them are mild and they can generally be prevented. So all in all, I probably would recommend a sad lamp. I know that when I've got it in front of me while I'm working, 
I do feel a bit more boosted and a bit happier. Um, and it can be really, really helpful. Also, the dog has just walked in the room. So if there is any noises that seem bizarre, that'll be what it is. <laughs> So to round up, what are some really quick ways that we can try to make life a wee bit easier when we're in depths of SAD syndrome? Number one, have frozen meals ready to go. This is something that also works with um, with neurodivergent people where sometimes making a meal just feels like battling Goliath. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It can just be that on this particular day, just the thought of starting the meal is really difficult. So have frozen meals ready to go. That can be whether you're having a really good day and you make a load of soup, freeze a load of it. It can be a massive pot of our favourite go-to in this house, chilli, um, a massive pot of stew, and just break it all up so that you've got nice single portions um, as time goes on. Get frozen mashed potatoes. Just add a little bit of milk, pop it in a pan, give it a swirl about, you've got instant mash. All these different things can really, really help to make your life just a bit easier while we're going through the depths of SAD syndrome. And I'm not saying that it's anything to do with, it's definitely not anything to do with laziness or I just can't be bothered cooking. It's those days where you think, I actually can't, I can't cook. And also have a think about some low energy activities, things that you just love to do. Things that like shoot that dopamine right up without you having to really do an awful lot. And let's try to avoid binging when we do this. Like no Netflix binging, no podcast binging because I'm really, really bad for that. But maybe something like some adult colouring in books. I love an adult colouring book. There is just something so satisfying about seeing it all come together. Um... There is something really nostalgic about an adult colouring book. It just feels, it feels like a hug sometimes. It feels really warm and cosy. Maybe take up um, crochet. So many people I know just now are taking up crochet and they love it. Uh, macrame, all discovered what macrame was um, during lockdown because <laughs> apparently everyone was doing it. Uh, knitting, knitting's actually a really nice relaxing way to just kind of pass some time, have some music on, knit. Do you know what? Have a podcast on Bane. Um, just something that occupies your brain for a while that isn't just binging Netflix because that can get us into a really bad spot as well. And also trying to get a good sleep. We spoke about, you know, the best kind of environment to fall asleep in, but falling asleep itself can be really, really hard like I know firsthand how difficult falling asleep can be and it sounds ridiculous if you are someone who's never had issues with sleep. Um, if you're one of those blessed people who goes to bed and puts their head in the pillow and they're instantly asleep, first of all, damn you. <laughs> and secondly, what's it like? Tell us <laughs> tell us how great it is. Tell us how nice it is. Um, but yeah, it can be really, really difficult to fall asleep. One of the things that I've found exceptionally helpful is um, the Nothing Much Happens podcast. It's a really lovely listen where literally nothing happens. Um, Catherine Nikolai 
writes the story. There is very, very little kind of exciting points within the story. One of them was a card game during New Year, which is always my go-to. Um, it is a boring story. No offence, Catherine, because it is lovely. <laughs> but it's a boring story that helps your brain shut off. Um, it's also a bit of brain training because your brain starts to recognise, okay, this is this lady's voice. This is time for me to sleep. And she walks you through the story. She tells it once, a normal pace, and then once again, at a slower pace. Now, the really clever thing about this is if you wake up during the night, walk back through the story in your head. The first time I heard her say this, I was like, okay, that might work for some people, but it's definitely not going to work for me. Wow, I was so wrong. The amount of times I've woke up during the night and I've thought, okay, everyone's sitting around the table, they've all got cards, there's someone with a cosy jumper, and the dad puts down a card, and I'm talking myself through the New Year card story, and before I know it, I'm asleep again. It is an exceptional podcast that is well worth following if you're someone who has difficulty sleeping. Also, if you're someone with a puppy, just let me save you loads of time. (laughs) If they are not settling at night, put your Nothing Much Happens podcast onto your smart speaker who shall not be named because she'll go off and set a sleep timer of an hour. That will cover you for about two episodes. And during that time, I've found anyway that our puppy has just calmed so much. The really lovely calm voice of Catherine has brought her down to a nice sleep level. And by the time the hour kind of sleep timer's up, she's out for the count. She's gone. (laughs) And that is a very excitable German Shepherd lab. So if it works for her, I think it's going to work for any puppy. Now we touched on routines earlier. Oh, routines. The mortal enemy. (laughs) I've found a few things that I've found have worked for my brain anyway. And if it can save you some time and help with yours, then I would like to recommend them. Uh, One is the Routinery app. And I know I can get that on Android. I'm not too sure about Apple users. You know, I'm one of those like Android till I die people. Um, So apologies to iPhone users. Routinery basically lets you build a routine and then kind of gamifies it. You set a a time for how long that routine is going to take. So for example, putting away washing. I would set that for 15 minutes. 15 minutes of putting away washing and that becomes part of a larger routine. That becomes part of like the evening routine. So put away washing, 15 minutes. Walk the dogs, 30 minutes. Um, Come back, feed the dogs, 10 minutes because I need to stand over Anna and make sure that she's going to eat because she's a fussy little bitch. And different things like that. Add them into a complete routine and every task has its own set of time. Now you'll get a pop-up to let you know that task is coming to an end or this task is about to begin. That in itself was enough for me to be like, oh, okay, I need to go into this thing. And knowing that I had a time limit, that I had imp- I'd implemented myself, but knowing that I had a time limit was enough to make me go, right, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do it in this set time. Because sometimes my brains just don't want to do that. <laughs> They want to go off and do something completely different that's actually interesting or fun and not want to do the boring thing. So if we can train it into let's do this thing, then we're going to have a much better experience. 
also really recommend the Rock the Housework. Um, I don't, it's not really a podcast, but it's on Patreon. Um, and it's Gemma that does that. She will walk you through um, like cleaning your living room, for example. And she also gamifies it. So she'll let you know, we're going to clean, so see the kitchen. We're going to clean the worktops. We're going to empty any dishes into your dishwasher or clean them in the sink. We're going to put away any dishes that are already sitting there for the night before. We're going to hoover. We're going to clean the floor. We're going to do all these things. Now, as she goes along, she'll say to you, you've got three minutes, do the dishes. And she'll tell you a wee story in that three minutes. And then she'll let you know you've got two minutes left. Okay, you've got a minute left. You've got 30 seconds. And you're kind of racing against yourself. And you get this, it's like a little dopamine hit. When you know that you get to the end of it, you're like, ha, done it. (laughs) So highly recommend the Rock the Housework uh, Patreon. It is £3.75 a month. But for the sake of one Starbucks or one Costa or whatever it is, is is your vice then absolutely 100% worth it. Now, we've got all these things that we can do to help ourselves, but sometimes it's really difficult to help ourselves. Sometimes we need someone else or we need to reach out and say, hi, I am on the struggle bus. The struggle bus has population one and it is me. And it can be, it can be like that. It can be a bit jokey until you get somewhere comfortable where you can say, no, really, I'm having a really, really hard time. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. There is nothing wrong with you as an adult asking for help. Sometimes we just need to remember that as an adult, that asking for help isn't a bad thing. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you less of an adult. It doesn't make you less of a person. And for any male listeners, it doesn't make you less of a man. Asking for help is incredibly brave. It is it's difficult. Like, I, I know firsthand how difficult asking for help is. Saying to someone, oh boy, I'm going to need, I'm going to need a bit of help here. It can be really hard. It can also be really rewarding when you can potentially build a better relationship with someone because you have asked them for help. You've went through some. Now, it's super easy to get into that place where you've got that little voice in the back of your head of saying, yeah, but if you ask for help, you're really weak. You're not. You're absolutely not. It can be really difficult because a lot of time we have preconceptions of what asking for help looks like and what that says about a person, especially when it's gendered so for example men find it far more difficult to reach out for help than women because we have this the man is the head of the household the man has his shit together and the woman is the one that's a bit neurotic and of course she's going to need help at some point that's not true everyone needs help at some point no one is neurotic no one is the person who has to have their shit together because let's be perfectly honest as adults do any of us have our shit together because I know I don't. <laughs> and I don't think I know anyone who does. So some things to think about when you're reaching out for help. Who would you feel most comfortable talking to? It could be a doctor. It could be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be a partner. There can also be, check with your employer, but there can also be employee assistance programs, which means that you can give them a call and arrange for some counselling 
that usually is free or at least supplemented. You have things like BetterHelp, but obviously they're a bit more expensive. But yeah, have a Google and see where it is available within your area, whether that's like within the UK or the US or anywhere else in Europe. I'm saying that's if America's in Europe. I know it's not, don't worry. (laughs) The other thing can be, do you just want to feel like you've been listened to? If you feel like you're having a really difficult time emotionally, remember you've always got the Samaritans to call as well. There are volunteers there 24-7. You can give the Samaritans a call. You can talk through how you're feeling. There's someone on the other end of the line who's been trained to deal with this. And they can just give you, they can give you the feeling of someone is there. You know, when you feel like there isn't anyone there. Now, if you are planning to go to the doctors to discuss how you're feeling, I would really recommend writing a list. Having a list of how you're feeling, what's going through your head and different things like that, just so that when you go into the office, your mind doesn't go blank or you don't immediately start minimising or apologising, you know, for saying things like, oh, it's just a wee thing or, oh, God, I hate to bring this up or I hate to ask. Why do you hate to ask? It's fine. That's that is what he's there for or she's there for. Well, look at that internalised misogyny. Oh, dear. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. It's not a small thing. It's a big thing for you. It's not trivial. It is a, a vast part of your life. So don't trivialise it. If you're not sure how to ask for help and literally just the wording seems impossible, it can be as easy as suggesting that you go for a walk with someone or a drive, a drive is a really good way to start that as well. If they are the person driving, they have to be looking at the road. And if you're the person driving, preferably not if you're feeling a bit emotional, because we don't want you to not be able to see if you're crying. <laughs> but if they're the person driving, they need to be looking at the road. They don't need to be looking at you. And that feels a little bit safer, because you don't have someone staring at you. Sometimes we can be scared of people saying, you know, it's all in your head. Or... You know, all you need to do is just go for a walk, like get outside, go and join a gym. That's that's fine if we're just experiencing a little bit of sad syndrome and it's not a big, you know, like a big adjustment to our mood. If it's just something that's a little bit kind of, eh, I'm just feeling a bit crap. That's different from I haven't taken a shower in seven days and I've been living solely on pot noodles. That might just be a shouldn't, but <laughs> most Maybe, maybe a really, a really not pleasant shouldn't, but um, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not worthy of help. How do we ask for help? That's the big question here. And that can be as simple as, I'm having a bit of a hard time just now and I don't know how to cope with it. So I think I need some help. Does it? Does it? Or it can even just be, I'm having a bit of a hard time. And that then opens up the conversation for someone else to dive in and say, oh, what's happening? Well, my mental health is really, really low. I'm trying really hard to change that and I just feel like I'm getting nowhere. A simple sentence, a simple phrase, and it opens up communication. A lot of the time, we simply aren't opening up to other people and that's where we're struggling. But before we leave this kind of serious area... If you've reached out for help and you have phoned someone, you've texted someone, you've made an appointment with the doctor, you have signed up to a counselling service, well done. 
honestly, massive, massive pat on the fucking back because that's hard. It's it's hard to admit that you need some help, especially when you're an adult because you're supposed to have your shit together, apparently. That's not always how life works. So well done. I'd also like to add that that is not as sarcastic and condescending as it sounds, but unfortunately that's just the way my accent and voice are. (laughs) So my pals, this has been a wee journey, hasn't it? We've got to the end. So join me again when we're going to be having a chat about women in the workplace this it won't be a feminist rant i promise <laughs> it is a subject that came up recently in my one woman one woman band coaching group um, which is run by meg from the daily pep podcast which is another podcast that i highly recommend i'll pop a, a link in the in the show notes um, and you can have a listen if you if you fancy it it's just a nice little five minutes of motivation in the morning every day just to get you going and remind you that you're a fucking badass. So please do come back and join me again. And it has been lovely being in your ears. I hope you have enjoyed me being in your ears. <laughs> and I will speak to you next week on Life Coffee and Frantic Hair Dye. See you later, pals. And before you go, friends, don't forget to like and subscribe. Is that a YouTube thing? I don't know. But you can subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling really, really nice, give us a five-star review. I'd love that. I don't know who it is. is. I think it's just me and the two dogs. But yeah, (laughs) give us a five-star review. Thank you. Bye.